everybody. Welcome to the Overcoming PTSD podcast. I'm sitting here with my uh, decently good friend, Kayleen Wright. <laughs> Why does it get worse every time? <laughs> decent can be pretty good. I guess. Decent. Yeah. Uh, my average friend. My average friend over here, sitting over here. <laughs> average amongst gods. <laughs> average amongst lords. Thought he was digging, but... Lords and ladies. <laughs> Uh, so how you doing? Good, good. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, my name's Kayleen. I don't know if you introduced me. I said your whole name. Your you full did? name. I said your full name. I tune him out. Oops. Now it's now it's, <laughs> it's caught. too early for that. Yeah. Too what? Too so early how are you doing? I'm I'm well. I'm very very Answer well. Answer my question. Or are you just gonna dodge it? I'm just gonna keep dodging it <laughs> until you forget about it. So I was I was listening to something really interesting this morning. I thought it was interesting. It was about the importance of having a vision right mm -hmm. for your future and it hit me really at the right moment in my life because i always i always try to think of the vision like mm -hmm. my like long term vision in my life and it, and having a vision um in my recovery was like super powerful but mm -hmm. like right now i feel like my my long term vision is hazy like i have like one two years but i don't have like the future vis vision for myself crystal clear yeah and that's the thing that like you like I'm thinking about what I do day to day and um, what actions I take and like even what thoughts I have are based on where I want to go, right? So like I yeah. wanna, and I felt I felt a little bit confusion. I felt a little confusion in in just my life. And when you have confusion, you don't have clarity. When you don't have clarity, and maybe clear like confusion is the opposite of clarity. But when you don't have clarity, it's hard to take action, right? Yeah. Like when you don't have yeah. like, like just like, if you think about the, like when you wake up and you have everything planned out, like, you know, your morning routine, like I know I'm yep. going to go to the gym, yeah. I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes and then I'm going to come home. And sometimes it's not always that precise, but at least I have like a plan. I know what I'm doing. I can go through it with relative ease. But like, if I wake up on like a Saturday or Sunday and I have no plan, I'm much very lazy, <laughs> you know, like, and then it's like, well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do today. So like, you think of that like on a micro level, right? That's a, that's micro like day to day when you don't have a plan, but what happens when you don't have a life plan? It's like, yeah. well, that's, that's interesting. Right. So I was, I was listening to this, this, I don't know if you call it a course or something or a uh, lecture on, on vision. And the first part was about, um, just like, like vision, like just talking about vision and what vision is like biologically, okay. but then also, psychologically. So if you think about vision, I thought this was really uh, interesting conversation about, uh, vision, like vision is what you see, right? Uh huh. And what you see, like you can, and you can look at different things. Like if you spend your whole life just looking one step in front of you, you might not be going, this is the way that I took it at least. Like mm -hmm. if you're looking down and you're only looking at the present and you're only making, you're going to look at your next step, you might be going in a totally wrong direction. But what you need to do is you need to stop. You need to slow down and pick your head up and look down the road to tell where you're going. Or even better, you look at a, a map or the globe and be like, I want to go over here. So those can be like the different, that can be related to like the psychological vision of like, well, you might just have a vision for the day, right? Which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing to have a vision for the day. Yeah. But if that's all you have, who knows where you're going to end up? Well, I have Who a good knows what your life is going to be think, in 10 years? Like, too, because 
we live right in like we live in New England, which has like amazing hiking. Did you guys ask for reass- like reassurance? Right, like we like, live in uh, right? like New, England, in New right? England, right? Like I don't know, and well, because I forget, because like is Connecticut New England? Yeah, but New York isn't. Yeah, it's right. like the original so, thirteen colonies. Right, so it's like. Because I grew up in New York, I, I like didn't live in New England, but now we live yeah. in New England. Oh, so okay. that's yeah. why I'm like, I always forget New York isn't. It's an, yeah, but it's it kind the, of it's like whatever, same thing. And that's we, why New Yorkers are so different. <laughs> so much <better>. <laughs> They're not part of us. Yeah. So we have a lot of amazing hiking, right? And I remember I didn't really get into hiking until like college friends, like like our friends, right? And like high school, college, whatever. And I loved hiking. But I also hated hiking. And then one time I remember hiking. I don't know if I was with you or some friends or something. But I remember being like, wow, like this is really awful. Because like I'm doing miles and miles. Like sometimes like 16 miles or something in a day. And I'm just looking at my shoes the whole time. Because I'm trying not to trip, (laughs) right? So I remember being like that. And then I remember like, you know, because you're talking to your friends. And it's great. And it's like, it's like exercise. It's awesome. And I remember like, I love hiking when I get to the top of the mountain. Because that's when I stop and I look up. Yeah. And that's where I see the beauty. But Isn't it a bummer when you get to the top and you're with a friend who just like wants to sit for five minutes? That's what my friend from from Glastonbury was. You know who he is. I'm not going to name him. Yeah, I know who he is. <laughs> He's someone who's just like, we're going to chill for like five minutes and then we're going to keep going. And yeah. I remember when I went first hiking too, is like my neck hurt more than my my legs because I just looked, looked down, straight the whole down the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And I had to like train myself when I was hiking to like stop more and look up more, right? Like look up more between steps because I almost got like almost like car sick, like sick to my stomach because I'm just looking at my steps and like, trying to not trip and like find the next step and like not trip on roots or whatever, especially as you get tired, right? You like, you start to drag your feet yeah, and you miss the beauty around you when you do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like I was like competitive at first hiking. So I was like, I need to be the first to the top. <laughs> oh, I am so competitive. Like when we, what was that mountain Franconia notch, the Ridge trail. Yeah. That last hike we did. Oh, I was so competitive on the way up. I, know. I thought I was going to like dis- demolish it. Yeah. But I like we underestimated how long it was. Yeah, ten percent in, I was exhausted. Yeah, because I was just like kicking butt. Yeah, I was like passing people left and right, and then they ended up passing me at the top. Yeah, (laughs) but I thought that was was like there's that old guy who I passed, and I was like, yeah, because like that's the thing. It's like I pass you, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) They're probably thinking I'm so fast. (laughs) Not really, but like, (laughs) but I feel good when I'm like, yeah, I'm beating everybody, and then they all beat me the whole time but we were consistent and we finished we did finish i wouldn't say we were consistent but we did finish. we were consistent enough it doesn't matter how slow you go at sometimes you can be consistent and that's what we were yeah we got there we We took a nice healthy healthy break we did it is good to take healthy breaks at the top and so back to the analogy (laughs) right it's like i spent all this time all 16 miles looking at my feet and like you forget to look up and like see the view or even see the trail in front of you and Mm -hmm. how about this many times we have been looking at our feet to the point where we miss the trail and end up somewhere that we shouldn't be, right? And <laughs> well, that, that happened with how uh, many miles from our car? I don't know, like Jason five or six miles from our car. Yeah, when we had to the get Mount, someone home, Mount Manadnock, right? Three hours. Is that what you're talking about? I don't. Rem- I don't remember what mountain. Okay, yeah, we were at Mount Manadnock and we 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 climbed up because going up is easy. It's like okay, 
Yeah, up is you very go up, easy. Yeah, right. It's yeah. like it doesn't it, take a trail or don't just go up, yeah. and you'll be at the the peak. Mm-hmm. Especially this one, there wasn't multiple peaks. There's just one peak, and on the way down, everybody made the mistake except for me. Everybody made the mistake of listening to me for directions. <laughs> I guess I made the mistake of listening to myself for directions. Well, Alex and I were chatting but, and we we're like, the boys got it, whatever. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, like you, you, you should, I have should known know better. better. You should have known better. Jason, like they didn't, they didn't know I was that bad, but yeah, we ended up being like, how many hours off trail? We went down the opposite side of the mountain. I mean, I and think then we, we had to walk all the way around the base. Five or yeah, six miles. Yeah, from five our or six car. miles. Miles on top of what we already did, and we thought we were at the parking lot. We we're like, oh, finally, we're exhausted. Yeah. We're out of food. We had to drive three hours back to get someone to work on time. <laughs> we're like, oh my god! And then, then we really had to hoof it on the road and stuff. It yeah. was, it was. So, that's not quite how I feel right now in my life. <laughs> not that lost, um, but that's almost worse. You know, that's kind of interesting because it's like it's it's worse because I thought I knew yeah. where I was going. Yeah. Right? So, like, how many times do we think we know where we're going? Well, and, and just to place. draw back to that story, like, what I love about that story and what I love about, like, this is going to sound bad, but, like, bad things that happen is, like, commiserating. Right? And so now the four of us have that bonding experience where it was like, okay, in the moment, That's and that wasn't high stress, certainly, but in the moment it was like, oh, we got to get back to the car. We're this many miles off. We're going to be late to get you know, Alexa to work and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it was like a higher intensity kind of, again, not high stress, but yeah, a situation yeah. that we shared together. Well, it's just like one of the moments you're like, ah, damn it, Brad. And, but, <laughs> and now we laugh about it together and we'll always no, it have- was, it was good from the beginning together. because our group, like we're, we weren't a bunch of complainers, which I was very, cause you don't really know like if somebody's going to complain unless something happens. And I know a lot of people in my life that if that had happened, they would have like either been angry or complained the whole time. Like you have another two hours or three hours of walking, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, they would just complain the whole time. But like it, it ended up being a positive experience even while walking because they're not complainers, and they could have walked us into the ground. They, we did Franconia Notch in how many hours? I forget, but they beat us at they least. They beat us by, by two like hours, two, three hours. At least. Yeah, yeah. They like yeah. kicked our butt. We yeah. didn't go at the same time, but. Um. But so what I love about that, right, is like okay, so. You know, we thought we had a vision, right, to draw this back to the kind of topic. We thought we had a vision or you thought you knew where you were going. And then we kind of got there and we're like, oh, no, this isn't it. But it still ended up being a positive experience and a learning experience, too, because it's like, okay, now we're going to look up more. We're going to make sure we're on the right trail. Like, so we learned a lot from that experience, even though Mm -hmm. the vision wasn't right. And we have this great memory where we can laugh and we can joke about it with them. And and I don't know that I would have remembered that hike otherwise. No, I wouldn't because I've hiked it multiple times before. Yeah. I remember one other one that might actually be a good analogy was with Jason again. Yeah. And my other friend, Lauren. Um, oh, that was that mountain? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Where we, we took the trail up probably 20% of the way. And then we're like, let's go bushwhacking. Only 20%? Something like 20, 30. Not, not very not far. far. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, let's go bushwhacking. And Lauren was like, eh. I don't know. I kind of want to take the trail, <laughs> but it was, it ended up being an awesome experience. And it was, it's, again, it was, it's the mountain where it's just like, uh, where do I go up? up I'm right. just going to go up. Right. <laughs> so we're like, 
where do we go? It's like, uh, wherever, let's just go up. Yeah. So then we started climbing and climbing. Then we got to this one spot where it's looking back, it seemed pretty badass. It seemed like it was a cliff, yeah. you know, like that I had to like scale and, but it pro- it wasn't like a real cliff, but it was enough to where like, if you fell, you would, you would fall, Yeah. you know? So we climbed up this cliff that was, had some like moss and different trees, but we climbed up it with no gear or anything. Lauren did too. <laughs> then we got to the top of that and we saw this beautiful waterfall, which was awesome. And then climbed the top of that, walked across it, but it was basically, and we found like a, another trail at that point, a yeah, small yeah. one, yeah. like almost like a personal trail. Um, the kind that like I would make with my childhood friends. Probably like a deer back trail. In the back right? of our, to the water. No, I don't think it was a deer trail. It was bigger. It was bigger than a deer trail. Yeah. It was definitely more intentional. Um, but then eventually got to the top. Yeah. So like that, that's, that could be like the analogy of like, you don't necessarily have to know the way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. Too. Like when yeah. you have the vision of where you want to go, you don't need to have the path, right? You can, you can, you can bushwhack through the woods as long as you know where the destination is. Well, I right. think what's interesting about that too is like you think the vision is right and it actually ends up being wrong. Like we use two, like we use the same similar analogies, but for two different, very different reasons. Oh, yeah. We yeah. thought the vision was right. It was wrong. The vision was right, but the path was unknown. Right. And so, and I love that. And that's just part of like a mindset that I really love and subscribe to and work harder and harder to subscribe to still like still is like there's a positive and a learning experience in everything right so like it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there right mm-hmm. and as long as you do it for what's best for you well by the way no one no one knows even if like people who think they have a path it's like no one can perfectly predict the future like that's impossible and then you right? might get so there and be like you know what this isn't right 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 and what like you need to do is like you need to be adaptable mm-hmm. right like you need to build, like you need to have a plan. You need to have a vision, but then you also be need to be resilient enough to withstand, you know the the cliff faces. You know, so you're strong enough to to scale the cliffs when you reach the cliffs, or resilient enough when you when you even maybe face traumas or hardships or pains or setbacks or failures. Like you need to be resilient enough for that, and like failures are a part of life. Like. That's something like we were talking about it last night where it's like growing up, you know, I think we were the age of the participation trophy and probably still is. I don't know what it is like now. I think it's we were worse. like the, the, the spearhead. Yeah. We were the spearhead generation or of the, maybe just, just parents. before the spearhead. Cause yeah. I don't feel like it was like super common, but it was happening. Oh, it was common where I grew up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I had so many participation awards or trophies. Or oh, medals. I had real trophies. I had a few real trophies. Maybe that's because I was yeah. a winner. I mean, maybe. Or maybe they just took off the participation thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was a winner. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we basically grew up in the age of participation trophies where you are rewarded for do- doing, which like there's an element that is right to this, but just the like this as an analogy and as a, a mindset, I very much disagree with because there are rewards for playing the game, right? Like just for showing up, like let's like in my mind, I, I went to soccer practice, right? I wasn't a very good soccer player. I had some, I had some ac- excellent plays, but I wasn't very good. And I was probably like 12 years old 
like when I was, when I remember this, it's like, well, showing up to practice and showing up to games, like the doing had its own intrinsic rewards, but there wasn't an external reward of a trophy because we didn't do well enough to achieve that trophy, but we still earned rewards, but yet parents felt like they needed to reward us with something material or physical for the effort, not for the outcome. And the truth is that both matter, right? The effort matters and the outcome matters, right? Yeah. So. Although I think we disagree on this point and I, I do want to. We can talk about it. But, talk about it. Yeah. But the intrinsic rewards of just doing were like, I get to hang out with my friends. I get to talk with my friends. Mm-hmm. I get to, you know, do something that's healthy. I get to be outside. You know, I get to play a game. Do you feel that though as an eight, 12 year old, 10 year old? Well, they were there regardless of whether or not I could articulate them. Like I have, I have good memories of hanging out with my friends. Right. right. I have bad memories of practice where I like, I didn't want to do it, but like I, I made some, some really good friends there. One of my best friends for that time was, and his dad was the coach and Mm -hmm. met him on the team. Yeah. I think I fall, I mean, I fall somewhere in the middle, but for like, just for argument's sake, like on the other side of that, because I think, especially when it comes to kids, like a participation trophy, depending on how it's given, I think can be a really tremendous, tremendous help, right? Because it's like, hey, you decided to be on the soccer team and you showed up to practice and you worked as hard as you could. And, you know, you showed up to the games and you put your all in and you deserve to be rewarded for that or acknowledged for that. And I think because for kids, I don't think the other the positive outcomes are always apparent. Right. Because you're tired. You don't want to go to practice, but you do anyway. You don't feel like it. You're tired. You have homework, whatever. They can be less apparent. So something external like that can be a big help in saying like, oh, okay, like this is a symbol that like, oh, yeah, I did it. Okay, I showed up also even when I didn't want to, even when I didn't feel well, even when I was hurt or sick, you know, in those days sick, right? Mm -hmm. I showed up and I did it. And um, it's almost like a, and I wouldn't call it a participation trophy so much as like a commitment trophy or a reward for that commitment because I think it can be hard for kids to articulate the positives beyond that, which are, oh, I got to hang out with my friends and be outside and exercise and, you know, enrich my life in these different ways. And I think it can be motivating to think of that one symbol as why I'm going to do it again. So like to encourage Mm -hmm. them to continue to play sports, Yeah. for example. I, I don't disagree with the premise but the execution, I, I kind of disagree with that. I, th- I think it would be better if you had a mature role model adult giving them verbal praise of like, hey, good job for showing up. You're going to go get them next year. While, while not removing the, the ultimate goal or the outcome of being the best, right? So you almost diminish, you diminish the value of the reward by giving it to everyone, right? But you can still reward them in different ways. Or you don't give them a trophy, you give them something small, like, hey, you participated, like oh, it's 100%. like it's not like almost not even calling it an award like a participation. I don't I don't know, but like I I don't no, I think, whether that's a certificate or a button or a medal. Because I think like, you're also talking something that's talking about something that's abstract and giving it to a kid. But also like I guess I guess like a a trophy. But like trophies like they're supposed to be there for for when you win. Well, and think, we're getting off topic a yeah. little bit, but <laughs> I think it, it it'll it'll all make sense going back. But um. I think the reward of having a, a, a parent or a coach come up to you and say, hey, great job, and here's what you did really well. 
and having, having the gap of success is good. Saying, hey, you didn't get that and that's okay. And teaching kids that it's okay to fail. That's my point. It's okay to no, fail. I see, I see your it's point okay completely. to face yeah. challenges and to try and work hard and not attain that. Right? Because if you if you constantly I reward agree. them just for trying, this was my point, that then you train people, you train kids to always expect rewards just for doing, which like that's just not reality. Well, I do right? think like, there should be a cutoff to, for that too. Like a five year old and a fifteen year old. But you, you just know. the idea. We, I mean, if you want to go deeper into that, we can. We no, can we talk don't necessarily. Have to, I do want. <laughs> I want to get my. Yeah. Like, I want to have my say. No, because like that I you've agree had your with you, say, but again. it's just it's it's just a matter of degree. I of agree like, with you too, and I do believe we're on the same page and aren't yeah. fully articulated. But like, I'm a stuff person. Yeah. Like I'm a, uh, for lack of a better term, a trophy person. Yeah. Right. Where I like collect things and mementos. Like they mean a lot yeah. to me. They well, hold give, a give lot. Give you a t-shirt or something. Uh, but go. okay, but, but for, for participating, we'll give you a T-shirt. But mementos. But everybody gets one of those. But mementos. That, how can so, that amount memento? <laughs> well, you're not letting me finish, right? So, like, uh, for me, those things have significant meaning. Like, if we're in our apartment right now, if you look around our apartment, I have a lot of little knickknacks that mean the world to me. They mean a great deal to me because they represent something. And yeah, of course, I believe the winning trophy should be the biggest and the shiniest and the best and like so much greater, you know, it should be representative of what the goal was, but I don't, I don't think a memento is a bad thing. I think a t-shirt would be the perfect memento. Okay. Yeah. So rounding like it movie. back up. Memento. <laughs> I mean, not like the movie. Not obviously. like the I've movie. actually never seen the movie. No, the movie was you don't all like the Polaroids. Movie, I don't like the movie. Yeah. I, I think I, I would like it. I think I like the, the concept of it. But anyway. I don't think you would. I, I, think, I think you should watch it tonight. I think that diminishes... My point My point was that it diminishes or it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mimic reality and what you would expect, right? So it's almost like even if you delay it to an older age, like, well, we're delaying that lesson to an older age where it's like, well, what if we can teach you to be resilient earlier, right? So that... They, and, and teach you and teach you, right? It's not even teaching you to be resilient, but just teaching you the reality of life. Like things don't always go your way. Sometimes you will try your best and you will fail. And that is okay. That is part of life. And that is how you will learn and get better in the future. Right? So again, going back further to the point I was talking about how you need the vision and then the resiliency to work through and overcome any failures, obstacles, whatever. Right. So you need the courage to actually move forward and take those steps to achieve that vision because it does take courage to achieve whatever anything you want to achieve in the future. Right. Because that requires change and change can be scary. And you're gonna be stepping into the unknown. And like that is like a lot of fear comes from the unknown and chaos. When you think about chaos, like fear for the most part is like chaos. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm worried because I don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. because it's the unknown. Right. So a lot of that is like having the courage to step into the unknown, knowing that knowing the thing that you do know is that basically I can figure it out as I go along and that I can overcome any challenge that I face, no matter what that challenge is. 
It might not, I might not happen on my timeline, but I am confident in myself and in my abilities that I can overcome that. So, <laughs> right back to the, like at the beginning, you know, we're just talking about vision, right? And so, you know, now we've talked about a couple of things. We've talked about vision. We've talked about, you said courage. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so let's talk about this. So like, what, how, how did vision affect your life, affect your recovery from, from trauma and PTSD? Because like, so far we, we've been talking about ourselves in our current form, but this was a really essential piece for both of us to dig ourselves out of the hole, right? Like the hole of despair and trauma and PTSD and abuse and all of this crap that we went through having a vision was really the first thing that we had to do to help get ourselves out of there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause we had to talk about that. We had conversations mm-hmm. of what we wanted the future to be like. And then I spent so many hours just writing and writing and writing. What do I want my future to look like? What do I want to look like in the future? What are the things I want to have? How do I want to feel down to my kids and place where I want to live and all these other things. It's like, I spent a lot of time on that but a lot of time on how I wanted myself to be after trauma and how I wanted our relationship to be after trauma and how I wanted my relationship with my kids and my family to be after trauma because yeah. that those were the biggest impacts on my life and also work business. Of course, yeah. No, this is a good but question. But it started actually. with the vision. It always starts with the vision. It has yeah, to. It, do- it does, right? I would say, because... And I think it can grow, right? Because I think I had like this big block when it came to like vision of like goals, right? I was like terrified of goals and I didn't know how to set goals and I felt so hopeless that it felt very difficult. Felt so hopeless? It felt so hopeless (laughs) (laughs) that it felt very difficult to set goals. So it started, you know, kind of smaller, but I do remember... You didn't like setting goals. Didn't like anything. No, I remember (laughs) you were such a pain in my butt that like... (laughs) Oh, they feel like I got a few gray hairs, <laughs> a few, a few dozen, a few hundred <laughs> thousand, a few hundred thousand gray hairs. Um, no, I remember driving home one day and like calling you and like, this just sticks out in my head for some reason. And I'm talking, cause one thing I would say, I don't do Maybe this is something I used to do a lot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped because you didn't like it, but I actually would like to bring it back. Oh, I think I know. What did I say to you? Every time, because you're like, why? What are your goals? What are your goals? Every single conversation that we had, it would be like, what are your goals? Like when, like when we didn't have any crazy that we didn't have any, like when we didn't have anything to talk about. I just be like, what are your goals? Yeah, and it drove you crazy. But it changed your freaking life, man. It did change. It changed your life. You couldn't think of a goal. Like this whole conversation today is about a goal. I know, and I'm grateful for it. Okay, you don't sound great for that. That doesn't sound. That that I know. It doesn't sound great about the participation trophies. Yeah, well, well, okay, well, we'll do another podcast on participation <laughs> trophies. No, I, I honestly, we can if you want. I mean, we can go deeper into. No, that. no, 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 no. I'm, I don't I'm mind. It's kidding. interesting. I'm half kidding. <laughs> um, but no, I, I am extremely grateful for it, and because the reason it drove me crazy is because I didn't have an answer, and part of me felt inadequate for that because you know, like you love to talk about it, and I was like, oh gosh, like. I don't know. And I, I felt like I couldn't contribute. Well, you, you felt like you couldn't contribute and you felt like you had to know, right? And I feel like I had to you know. Felt like I felt like there was something wrong. Also. You felt, speaking of courage, I felt afraid to, to guess, to, to try. To even think. To even try. To even yeah. think about the future. Now, was that because you thinking about the future was painful because you didn't believe it and or 
you thought that the trauma might happen again or the pain might happen again? Or like, what was going through your head? Like, what was a, a, a struggle of back then of why you didn't want to look at, look at the future, right? Cause that's what it is. I don't want to look at the future um, and imagine anything different. You know what? And it could have been, it, and this might even change based on the day that you ask me right now, what's coming to mind is like feeling, and again, it could have been a lot of things, but feeling like I'm not good enough. So like maybe I, I, I could bring some things to mind and like I wanted these things, whether they were great or like these big giant goals or just medium average, whatever mediocre goals. Like yeah. I always want one of my biggest goals. I always want to at least succeed at my parents level and give to our kids the way that they gave to, to me, like the things that they did with mm-hmm. us. And I think, and that's a good goal and that's a great goal. And that would be an amazing life just to achieve that. Right. And I want to go beyond that, but, you know, like I think I would think about that and then think like, well, I'm not good enough. And really it came down to PTSD. Right. But like, I won't be able to achieve that because basically something's wrong with me. Right. Because I'm not going to be able to have the relationship that I want. I'm not going to be able to, I'm, I, you know, I had the the fear of hurting our kids and like all these different things like kind of came into play. Um, well, one thing comes to mind and I don't know if this was pre or post this conversation, you know, I had a conversation with a therapist that was like, you know, we were sitting down and I think she had asked me my goals and mm-hmm. this might've been before we started <laughs> having story. this conversation or, or, or after. And she was, she was like, well, you know, what, what do you want in life? And I was like, well, like, and I told her like, I want, I want five kids and I want to at least succeed at the level that my parents did, right? Mm-hmm. With five kids. Now my parents had two kids, right? Uh, and at least- Five kids? <laughs> at least do that. <laughs> um, if not out, succeed them. Like that to me would be an excellent life. And I didn't, I didn't know at the time how I was going to out succeed them, what the profession yeah. would be, whatever. And <sighs> at that time, I don't know if I was in college or I'd already dropped out of college or whatever. Mm. But- she had kind of said to me, and you know this, right? Something along the lines of like, well, you know, because at the time I was working a minimum wage job that I loved. It was great. But I was working minimum wage, which is there's nothing wrong with. And she said, well, maybe you want to reconsider those goals and kind of make them more realistic, you know, where you can work in the job that you have with the basically with PTSD mm-hmm. so that, you know, because college was extremely stressful for me. You know, I also have a learning disability and blah, blah, blah. Ended up going back, graduating summa cum laude. Like whatever, but um, <laughs> but you know, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Subtle whatever. brag, humble brag. <laughs> well, humble brag because it was like college was very like well, no, that's super. it was a huge stress that was adding to like the this CPTSD that was already so stressful and and at the time our brand new relationship and like all these things like it just becoming like yeah. a human and an adult right and so it was like well lower those goals basically so that you can work where you are for the rest of your life. You can yeah. have a kid or two yeah. and you can be okay with that and you can learn yeah. how to accept that and, and not have to go to college and all these different things. How harmful and dysfunctional of a mindset is that? Because it wasn't, hey, why don't you take a break right now and just go easy on yourself right now until you're able, until you deal with this problem, until you're able to, to strive forward yeah. with that. But even that wouldn't have been helpful. That's just like, but it was just like, no, it's just cutting, it's cutting off the dream before before it even begins like no well but here's the thing that i here's the thing that i'm really taking from your story here is that you when your therapist asked you what your goals were you were happy to (laughs) oblige her 
That's why I'm saying. Now what's, I, what's, what's your deal with that, me? So I, I don't know if that conversation happened before you started asking a lot. That's, that's no, why I, I said. I'm messing. Um, but yeah, well, she asked nicer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like, that was a huge contributing factor. And I think that got in my head again, whether that was like while you were asking or just before you started asking or what it got in my head, it really got in my head because you know, and I had authority bias, like we all do, where I was like, oh, oh yeah. this person knows what they're talking about. And and she did in a lot of regards, but she was also wrong. Like, we're all human, right? Yeah, that's a she pretty big one to step in. didn't though. in a lot of regards. And what I, I think I didn't realize at the time, like mindset was so huge on our, on my, my journey, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like growing up, I was really, really lucky in so many regards. And like specifically when it came to, Um, having a learning disability and then I had an amazing support system at home and at school and externally that helped me not use that as a crutch. Yeah. How about, how about just for a second pointing out the fact that you're like, I had an amazing childhood. (laughs) Everything that I went through was amazing life. Yeah. No, I just, I'm like, that is what happens. Yeah. Right. Cause like you when when you still were struggling it was just like Mm -hmm. everything was horrible horrible. like everything i thought you were like your life was terrible but like you you see this this isn't unique to you it's like you see this whenever you see someone go through a hardship and heal from that hardship they learn from that and they can look back and be like hey i can see the good things from that Right. And then they actually focus on that and then that's the primary thing that they recall and that's the primary thing that they talk about so like You'll hear Kayleen say this, and I hear you say this all the time, where it's like, my life's amazing, or my life has always been, not always been amazing, but but like, my my childhood was great, this was great, and I had all these good things, because mm -hmm. you've reframed everything, you dealt with your your crap, right? Right, right. Well, and I think that's important to realize, like, it was always there, the amazing was there, and the bad was there, but when you're in the bad, you're clouded in the bad, and that's the only thing you you can think of, and it's the only thing you can latch onto, and so it's almost like, you can't even turn to see the good because the bad is just like right in front of your face and like yeah. blocking everything. But like I can look back and say like, yep, there was hardship and and all sorts of you know trauma and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But it was amazing. Like I because right, that's what I'm right. looking at. And and that's not a forced thing either. Like and and Brad's seen that over the years. Like yeah. it's very natural to be like I had this wonderful life and this. Just, just this wonderful life, and that is true. It's not untrue. Mm-hmm. It's completely true. Yeah. Well, and one of the one of the, like the uh, the worst things about trauma and PTSD is like you go through the trauma, and this is barring all the people that are con- going through continuous trauma. But even then, you know, it's like the trauma happens, and it's over, right? But then you relive it again and again and again relive it in your thoughts like you, like your thoughts get triggered and you feel like you are experiencing that trauma again and again and again even though if you are present in the moment and are honest with yourself things aren't scary things aren't dangerous like you are safe but you don't feel safe right so then you can reflect back like you now now that you're healed it's like one way i can i can kind of describe it is like when I, when I had PTSD and was no longer going through trauma, I still felt like I was going through trauma mm-hmm. and I would still act like I was going through trauma and I would go to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, I would be quiet and, ah, oh, it just wasn't good. You know, that's one of my, 
uh, I remember, I mean, I've told this story to you a bunch of times, but of like my mom during Christmas, you yeah. know, she started dancing. Yeah. And, you know, cause I, I think I, I love my mom more than anybody in the world. Yeah. Like she's my, she's my, she's my woman. Like, I love that. I love that lady she so much. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I was struggling, it was Christmas Eve or around the holiday and, uh, an upbeat song. I don't remember what the song was. I think it was her song. That, was it that Uptown Funk? Funk song? Yeah. It was Uptown Funk yeah. by uh, Bruno Mars. And she started dancing and she danced over to me, which she's almost never done in my life. And she wanted to dance with me. And at that time, I just remember feeling like my heart closing up and anybody who's, you know, felt this where, or like you felt this where like your emotions just, you just feel your emotions start to bubble up and you feel like, oh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to break down. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it then, but like it was her love coming in that was basically melting, melting my heart. Like my heart was so hardened and closed that she was just opening it up and allowing, which then allowed those emotions to come out. But then I didn't say anything and I just walked away and went into the, my childhood bedroom and cried and I missed out on that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, because trauma, I was reliving the trauma, right? The emotions were coming up, even though I wasn't in there. And that's just like, that's something that like, it, it so it's, it's so common. But even then it's like, well, I could reflect and I can look back and I could say, oh my God, how awful was that? How bad of a person was I for doing that? Or I could mm -hmm. be like, wow, how amazing it is that I have a mom like that? Yeah. Who can actually give me the experience of opening my heart. So I know that I know what that feels like. Yeah. Right. And that's a beautiful, amazing thing that not everybody has, mm -hmm. you know? So. So you start to look back and you start to, well, as you heal and when you heal, you know, there, there's no blame on yourself. There's no, I'm this big bad guy and this big bad wolf and all these things. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes it is the acknowledgement of like, uh, you know, I did a lot of things really wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and I acknowledge that they're wrong and I, I fix the wrongs where they need to be fixed. And, and I also like, I understand my, I'm not making excuses for myself, you know, for doing that. There's no excuse for treating people certain ways. And, you know, at the same time you're saying, well, you know, I was hurt and we're all only human at the end of the day, you know? So like I was doing the best that I could and what I could do at that moment was not very good and that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're looking back, not with shame, not with beating yourself up, but with gratitude and love and you're seeing the experiences and the opportunities. Yeah. And a lot of people don't believe this and they don't want to hear it at first, especially oh, no. at first. <laughs> you don't. I have, we have so many clients that like say they've heard us tell stories like this where, you know, they, say okay yeah well yeah right Keelene I'm not I'm never going to feel that way about my life or my trauma or anything else and then you know months later they're in our membership program or whatever they're you know they go through the the program and healing and then they reach out in the community or they do an interview with me or something and they say you know I see what you're saying now where you look back and you say wow I'm I'm really grateful for all this pain because it's given me so much it's given me yeah. so much perspective opportunity growth you, you it's just it ends up becoming something yeah. something really beautiful. Well, then part of that part of that is you're able to look back on yourself and not be so hard on yourself because in those moments it's very easy to be hard on yourself. Yeah, like it is. me 
not like turning away from my mom to go basically hide. Mm -hmm. It's very easy. And even just that language right there, go away to hide. Yeah. Right. Instead of like, go away to, you know, feel my emotions or take care of myself. It's like, it's, it's hard to, um, well, I I guess I can't speak. It's, it it was hard for me to have the compassion for myself Mm -hmm. in the moment. But looking back, you can, you can gain perspective. You can see the whole thing if you choose to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can look back. It is a choice. You can look back at like the individual thing and relive that same thing and relive mm-hmm. the bad thing over and over again. But you can also look back and have a wider view, have a longer term view, right? Mm-hmm. Similar to what, like what we're talking about with vision, have a longer term view of, of your past and you see the whole thing and you can see your whole journey, right? You can see yourself before you were hurt, when you got hurt, afterwards, the, the fallout of you getting hurt and how that wasn't your fault. And you can have that perspective and you can almost go back to those former parts of yourself or you can really mm-hmm. and have conversations with them and show them. And this is, this is something that, you know, that we teach mm-hmm. in our, in our membership, in our program, you know, how to actually do this, but you talk to those parts of you, the, the younger parts of you that were hurt and you can resolve that conflict that you have right because you can think like you can think of it in that way it's like my present self may be in conflict with my past self but if you think about that just conceptually not in like any type of weird uh multiple personality disorder type Mm -hmm, way just mm -hmm. like as in as a conceptual way to view it if you imagine yourself talking to your old self what conversation like there's there's conflict between there right? Like you're mad at that person or you're upset with that person or you're ashamed with that person. But if you view it as another person, you just visualize that and you have a conversation with that person. It, a lot of times it's bad, right? And a, a big part of healing can, can be talking to those younger parts of yourself where you ha- where that conflict exists and then resolving that. And it's unbelievable how much healing can be done. Just by with with something as simple as that it's crazy and it gives you that that perspective yeah and uh i love that you know you right there's there's so many moments that need to be healed you know it's very rarely is it the case that someone is like has like literally just one trauma that's it and yeah so i mean a lot of times like you might think or those people might think yeah, it's just think one. Yeah, you one trauma, but it always but unravels it's affected into other more things. things. Or you have some like little T traumas, yeah, right? Like smaller some pain, things, some that, pains from life, right? And um, what's cool about healing is, and the techniques we use to like process your past is that you can find a domino that like knocks over the other lines of dominoes, right? And so like, there's work that you can do when you find the right domino, where it's like you and Brad is saying like have a conversation with yourself, like you forgive yourself, you, you know, go through this process and it knocks down all the other dominoes. Right. And so like, I remember for me, there was like a specific moment where I was like working to forgive myself. Right. And I had all of these memories or or like individual moments, like you shared like that moment with your mom or all these individual moments that I needed to like forgive myself for this thing and this thing and this thing. And so it seemed like this complex web of like, I need to forgive myself for a million different things. But when I got to the core of it, whatever that core was, it melted everything else away. 
So really I needed to like just find what the core was. And that mm. was the first domino that knocked all the other dominoes down. Do you have an example? Um, that was the example. No, of the core thing and the other things that knocked down. It's okay if you're unwilling to share. I was just no, curious. You know, I mean, it would be more like. Or a general example. Like in that one, it might be like, I'm not good enough again right that same kind of like belief where it's like oh or like i'm a bad person mm -hmm. right and so i did this thing to this person this thing here this thing here this thing here because of this like belief that i'm a bad person even though i was just trying my best you know and like sometimes i hurt people right and that's mm -hmm. just the case um but i was always trying my best right so when i went into that kind of core belief basically of like I'm a bad person I was able to kind of break that down and dissect that and like forgive myself for being imperfect and allow myself to be human hmm. and see that like I was always trying my best never ever okay. was I trying to intentionally do harm yeah, yeah and yeah. that melted all the other things yeah because the theme was the same does that make sense yeah yeah that makes sense yeah so so far we've talked about vision we've talked about how you need the courage to to courage and the self-confidence and the um the belief in yourself that you're able to figure out whatever challenges you face mm -hmm. um and you kind of talked about what well, we were talking about how i would always ask you like hey what's your goal what's your goal yeah, yeah. what's your goal um i don't know if we did we finish that conversation on like well, how how having a having a vision affected your recovery yeah i want to go back to that uh because i'm glad you brought it up <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad because I forgot about it. Um because when you say vision even now I think I think that it has to be massive. Massive or this big concrete thing. Yeah. Or I don't Cuz you think of like goals and like they sound different, right? Like a vision and versus a goal. Yeah. Like a goal sounds shorter term and a vision sounds like like life plan right, level. Right. Right. And I think but Even, I think that's the goal. Like the goal is to build the vision, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like a bigger picture view. But it's it's goal. it's it's like many. It's goals. like you want to have a clear as clear of a picture. I don't know if like maybe maybe there are people who have very specific clear visions, but I almost think that a vision is always somewhat hazy, and you're always working at making it more and more clear because the future is unpredictable. So the vision is. Sub basically subject to change. Yeah. And maybe it's certain, certain parts of the vision are subject to change, but there's certain things that you can always have there. Like I want to be a great family man, a great dad, great grandfather, a great, great grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. But what I, I still don't do is when you say vision, I don't equate it to visualize and I'm a huge visualizer. Well, right. That goes back to, that was the other step. I actually forgot about that. Right. So we, like I talked about like how vision is biologically what you see, like what you, what everybody is seeing right now in front of them. It's what you see. And then you have like psychologically the visions, like a goal, but then you also visualize your vision to help make it real. Right. Oh, and this is a really cool thing. You'll find this really cool. So how do you determine what vision or even goal to have is you use your vision. You, you visualize. Oh, yourself. I see what you mean. Yeah. And I think I'm going to write an email about this, but, um, you basically have, you make 
also here's a really good great story because it, it segues into this perfectly so did you know that mosquitoes um when they mate they lay about a thousand eggs right but most of them die and only like two or three survive so they have to procreate they have to do they have to do that much just to survive right the point is okay i think i see thousands yeah, yeah yeah and only a few survive right to allow that that species to keep moving forward we do something similarly in our minds where we're or at least we should do th- things similar t- similarly to create that vision where instead of laying eggs it's like we create these little mini avatars of ourselves right avatar being like if you think about the movie avatar it's like you have the people who get into the pod and then become the blue person right so an avatar is basically just yourself visualized mm-hmm. and then you visualize that avatar version of yourself going down a certain path mm-hmm. and that's a really big thing that differentiate differentiates us from animals right is that we're able to think we're able to take ourselves put us in an imaginary situation and then play out what it's what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and then decide whether or not it's something that we want to do mm-hmm. right and like that is like the basic elements or foundation of thinking and even determining goals it's like well which path do i choose to take well basically what you do is you imagine yourself going down this path and be like oh nope that one won't work because of this this and this right let's let's try a new path and go this other way instead of taking a left at this fork let's take a right 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 so okay now i'm going to go down there until i hit something else and be like okay no i'm going to start a that one didn't work i'm going to do a new avatar and go down another path mm-hmm. until we find the optimal path and you can do that with anything you can do that day to day you can visualize your day and this helped me tremendously and it still does in my ptsd recovery was i would every night before i would visualize my entire day so i would take myself my avatar self mm-hmm. and i would have it go through my day perfectly right and whenever i came up to a challenge or like i like that avatar got triggered or something i knew what to do i had a plan right mm-hmm. so everything was planned ahead ahead of time but you can do that with your life with your vision with your goals with whatever and it's a really neat, really neat idea. Yeah. And I I do that. I'm a huge visualizer. I do that a ton. That's why I love you brought that up. From the biological, what we see visual, visually, to having a goal slash vision, to visualizing that vision to help make it an actual reality. Yeah. And it's still something that I do. Like <laughs> this apartment we live in right now, this condo, it's something I visualize. I know. I was like, man, you couldn't have like, visualize like a, a villa on the on the beach of hawaii man <laughs> it's like you gotta visualize this condo nothing wrong with the condo but <laughs> well i visualized it for many years i think like four or five maybe even more okay where are we living next uh, florida <laughs> <laughs> how many years are we on that one uh we're only about a year visualizing that one are you actually visualizing it not like I was this, because I'm very comfortable here, and I was not comfortable where we were living before. But some more urgency. Yeah, there was there's a lot more urgency. So to ing- increase urgency, just decrease heat in house. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, make it dark. Uh, I, and I still visualize a lot, but to answer your question, like how important was vision having a vision? And you helped me create this because you helped me even break some beliefs. Yeah. Well, of, we helped like, each other. 
uh, you know, what's possible, yeah. you know, we started to open our minds to, vi- to visualize, to think, consider first, and then, you know, have conversations about and brainstorm basically, well, what could be possible? What mm-hmm. could be right. And, yeah. and then we started to play with that and visualize that. And then I started to get more and more attached basically to the, to the idea of what I wanted my life to look like, my relationship to look like, what I wanted to feel like. Mm-hmm. So never mind even like living in a condo, right? It was like, okay, what do I want to feel like when I wake up? How do I want to treat the people I love? Yeah. And all those things, you're asking yourself questions. Right. I'm, I'm like, when you think big fundamental guy, <laughs> like the <laughs> fundamentals of thinking, yes. right? Yes. Is asking yourself questions. Right. Right. How do I want my future to look? How do I, how do I want to act around my family? Right. And if you want a better answers in your life or better outcomes, ask better questions. Right. Right. <laughs> if you want to actual, if you want to know how to think about something, ask questions. That is it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where you direct your mind with questions, that's where it will go. So if you ask, why is my life so bad? This is a little bit of a tangent. You'll come up with answers. Why your, your brain life is, is going to tell you. But if you're like, how can I make my life better? Or why is my life good yep. right now? But how can I make my life better? You're going to come up with answers for that. And then your life will actually be better. Well, and to, to digress a little on like manifestation, right? So like I manifested us living in this condo, basically, right? That's what I did. And the reason that that works is not because like all of a sudden magically we're living in this condo is because I said to my brain every day for five years, this is where I want to live. Now, a friend of ours owns it and rents it. So that was a big part of the process. It wasn't like somebody Mm -hmm. else's home that I was like, I want to live in their home. (laughs) I will do anything. Uh, You know, they just like wreck somebody's home, right? Um, (laughs) I will invent a time machine to go back before you bought this. Just so I can have Yeah, this. basically, right? So, but I, I visualized, so I knew it. Th- there was possibility or I had an inkling there was possibility so long as they didn't sell it or maybe if they sold it, the next person would rent it, whatever, right? And then I visualized it, right? And, you know, the manifestation came from me saying, hey, brain, this is something that I want. And then I said that every day to my brain, basically. Again and again and again. And, and then again. again and again. And then my brain said, okay, well, basically, and this happens sometimes consciously, sometimes not. Well, what do we need to get there? Well, this is what we're going to need for rent. And this, you know, we're also going to have to pay these bills and this is where it is. So this is the mm-hmm. location. And, um, this is what needs to be happening in your relationship at the time and, and with your family at the time. Right. And so it was like all these little things to come, yeah, had to kind of fall into place, but they didn't fall into place. They were like mini goals to get to this big goal. So I didn't magically get, get to where we are, you know, in this condo, it, it like manifestation in a sense is a, is a real thing in a sense is a farce, right? Because it's like, it doesn't magically happen. You right. can't just picture yourself living in a, in a penthouse in Manhattan and like be like, okay, like eventually I'm going to be there. It, what will make you eventually be there is it being something you truly want, but then every day reminding your brain by showing mm-hmm. your brain the vision and then your brain's going to start to optimize for that. Our brains are optimized to achieve goals and your brain's going to start to say, well, oh, okay, so that's where we want to live. Okay, so this is the kind of job we, we need. This is the kind of money we need to make. So maybe you're a salesperson. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to start learning how to sell these cars or, or you know, or sell this insurance or whatever it is, right? Um, and then we need to make the move, right? And, you know, so all these things kind of will, for lack of a better term, fall into place because you make them happen. Um, but, but all these little goals. And so that was really important, right? Because 
I started to think about, okay, well, what do I want to feel like? And I started to visualize that. And so to answer your question very simply, <laughs> uh, it <laughs> but was But I think that's important. All right. Very like, like just, important. It's, it's, it's exceptionally important because if we take the same analogy of, because the, of the condo analogy, I was going to say, if you take that and you can take that story that you told about the condo of wanting to visualize it and then it, you know, actually appearing, you can take that exact story and it's the almost exact same story with your recovery. Right. Right. First thing you did, I want that condo. Right. Right. Second thing you did, I want that condo. Third thing you did, you kept saying, I want that freaking condo, man. And right. I saw, I see myself in the condo and how it's going to look and how it's going to feel to be there. Yeah. And then I'm asking myself, how can I get there? Right. And then you're with that question, you're asking, asking yourself the right questions of how I can actually do the things I need to do to achieve that and make it a reality. Right. right? So, but the first thing is having that vision without the vision, you couldn't align your actions to achieve it because you wouldn't have the vision in the first place. And that's why it goes back to the very first point of like, you need a vision. You need a vision of your, of your future. Like we have everybody in the program, uh, in recovery secrets, our membership program. Was it the, the third module that we do? Yeah. So we basically do some like introductory stuff. Some then we do damage coping. control right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. of coping tools, right? So that people can, uh, what? Get relief mm-hmm. on demand so that they can actually, you know, get back into their life and things like that. But then the third thing is the, something we call the, the recovery, recovery hero. hero. Thank <laughs> you. Which is just, it's just a word for a phrase that we came up with for your future self, yeah. right? For your vision, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you did was like, yeah. I created this vision for myself. And I'm going to think about it every day. And then I'm going to allow align my actions. And then I'm going to ask myself the question, how can I become this person? How can I build this recovery hero life for myself? And then I will start to see opportunities yes. to achieve that. And internally and external, externally, you'll start to see opportunities where it's like, oh, my recovery hero wouldn't be thinking that right now. Oh, my recovery hero wouldn't be saying that right now. My recovery hero wouldn't be doing that right now. Right. My recovery hero wouldn't be hanging out, hanging around these people anymore. Right. They're abusing me. Right. Right. So then everything starts to change with that vision. And it is so important. It is almost everything, but it's like, it's where everything starts. Right. Because if you don't know where you want to go, first of all, it's like, well, that's where hope really comes in. Right. You start to visualize yourself where, where you want to be. Right. And then. You start thinking about the actions that you want to take to get there. And then you start to make progress, right? And that's really when, like, you can just feel hope from, like, there's, like, somebody's story, right? right? Like, you hear somebody's story, and that can give you hope. But, like, real hope comes from actual progress moving forward. And action. 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 And progress comes comes from action. And action comes from asking yourself the right questions, having the right thinking. And asking yourself having the right thinking comes from having a vision, in the first place. So everything, everything, everything starts from there, right? That was our conversation when we were walking down the road today and all the times I called you on the freaking phone, I'm like, what's your goal? What's, <laughs> what's your, your goal? goal? What's your goal? What's your goal? What's your goal? <laughs> Where do you want to go? Right? It's like, and then in our, in our relationship, our, our relationship too, mm-hmm. was just like, where do you want this thing to go? And that's kind of, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> where do you want to go? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause at the time it, it was, you know, it was like yeah. we were yelling and screaming and all these things. And we had to ask each other as questions at times, you know, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well we need to choose the, the, the fork in the road that is going to get us right to the goal. What is that? Is it yeah. splitting up? Is it staying together? What's the goal? And we had to have 
those conversations with each other as well. Yeah. So where do you think, so I think some, like where people can start is, you know, by thinking about where do you, asking yourself the question, where do I want to be? I think in, in a year's time and push it out as far as you can. It, the, the time period is, is really irrelevant. Where do you want to be in the future without PTSD and start to imagine what that looks like. And I again, say, yeah. and push yourself and push yourself as far as you can go. Right. Cause you might not believe in full recovery right now, but pushing yourself out as far as you can go is like, it's going to ensure that you are constantly making that vision bigger and clearer because that's something that I'm always trying to do too. Is like, I'm always trying to push myself to the edge of my beliefs, right? What do I believe is possible? I'm always trying to push myself to, to that very edge. Cause I know that that is like, that's where I'm going to grow. Like you're not going to grow staying and believing what you believe right now. You're only going to grow if you push your beliefs further. If you start to stretch your mind and think about things that you might not believe are possible, but then you start to explore how can this be possible? So pushing, pushing that vision, I think is, is really important, but just start thinking about what do I want my future to look like right there? That simple question I think is, is just a really good place to start. Yeah. I think, um, to build off of that, you know, ask yourself the question, if full recovery is possible, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Right. Because, right. I mean, we can tell you it is possible, but you need to discover like for yourself, just let yourself explore if full recovery, fully healing from this is possible, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it feel like to wake up? What does it feel like to go to work? What, is it, what does your relationship feel like? Where do you live? What are your finances like? Everything's going to change with that. So definitely ask yourself those questions and start to build that vision. Absolutely. Well, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you today, Kayleen. Uh, I hope you had a great time. Do you have a great time? I did have a great time. I had Brad. a great time Thank too. Thank you for talking with me. You are welcome. Anytime. Now we go for a walk with me. I will go for a walk with you. Heck yeah. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Drop a review if you liked it. Um, it really helps us reach more people. Um, and we don't have that many reviews. So help us. Help us get some more reviews. Help us. And uh, subscribe. Um, only help us if you think we deserve it. And then subscribe <laughs> if you want to be notified for future episodes. But with that, have a fantastic day. Maybe we should do our next episode where I'm just talking like this. Super soft like a, talking. I feel like this is like what most therapists would talk like. I'm just like, yeah. That's what I, I talk. I'm this mountain. I do like my meditation audios like yeah. this. So I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Take a deep inhale. And we'll, and see, we'll you see you. Time. I feel uncomfortable doing that. Yeah, no, that's not us. <laughs> We're a little bit louder than that. We're pretty loud, people. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>